Like, bro, EDB, <laughs> you love yourself, don't you? Go ahead and pat yourself on the back because you know in this particular conversation that you spend to have here today, it's going to make some people feel some kind of way. So I just wanted to take a few moments to just love myself. So here's what we're going to do today on this uh, lovely day of us being here. It's just so awesome sauce to be here. I can't tell you enough. I'm going to tell you again. It's so awesome sauce to be here with you on this glorious day. And we're going to probably hear again how awesome sauce it is to be here because I just won't tell you that it's awesome sauce to be here. So go ahead. Get you a cup of coffee. Put yourself back. And let's get on here for this ride. Now we got some announcements we got to do. You know, in every type of environment, we got to go ahead and get the announcements out the way. Get the announcements done. Once we get the announcements out the way, then we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some things that are on my brain. So I'm going to ask for you to do something for me at this particular point in time. I'm going to ask for you to go and get a drink. Go down to your local Starbucks. 
Get you a cup of coffee. Make sure your barista fixes it. Just fixes it. Don't fix it. Fixes it. Get everything you want in that coffee. Or if you like me, head down there to the Starbucks and get you a, what is it, a venti? That's the tall one. Cup of tea. Go on ahead and make sure that they put seven extra pumps of that liquid cane in there. Seven extra pumps. Or as somebody told me, don't put no water in it and therefore you don't have to have the liquid cane. But for me, I don't remember that. So just give me the seven extra pumps of sugar and let me go ahead and sit down and prepare myself for this conversation right here. So we're going to do that, all right? After the announcements, and then I want to talk about some things that I have learned today from a historical perspective. And then we'll be ready for my conversation, for my talk. What's on my mind? I also want to take a few moments to talk to you about a few things that I hope you will also consider. I hope you will consider finding me on vocal.media. Yeah, vocal.media forward slash Eric Deshaun Barrett. That is my blog. That is where I present all of my information, my thoughts, my ideas, my outlook on life. If you can't watch the YouTube because you know you got things to do and you can't listen to the podcast because the same, maybe you just like to read. So go over to vocal.media forward slash Eric Deshaun Barrett and get your read on right now. (laughs) Well, also, while I got your attention here in this hour, I would like for you to do me a favor. Downstairs in the the show notes are some links. I've told you about vocal.media, but the next thing I want to talk to you about is the cash app. Now, I would like for you to consider something because here's my thing. I don't believe in presenting you with anything that does not give you value. I don't like to give you ads that you got to pay money into in order for me to get something out of. Here with the Cash App, all you got to do is go in there. See what I'm saying? You click my link. I get $5 and you get $5. And then here's the thing. I'm not even going to tell you after you get your $5 to send your friends back to me. I'm going to tell you, you go over there and tell your friends to get their link and they can get $5 and you can get $5. So now all I got was five out this deal and you about to get 10. You see how I'm giving you more than I'm getting? So go ahead, click my link, download the cash app. And then when you download it, take that five dollars get your friend to give you something that'd be a ten dollar deal then take that and go and start investing in the stock markets because the cash app allows for you you say why are you are they really sponsoring you no i'm just telling you how to get free money up in these streets okay hey oh yeah free money i love it free money i love it the cash app has a way for you to invest in the stock market. Can you say it with me? The stock market. The NYE New York Stock Exchange. Or is it NYSE? I think it's NYSE. 
But they, they do kind of say NYE, right? The point is, go in there. No longer, somebody said no longer. No longer do you have to invest in whole shares, which a lot of those shares like Amazon is $1,800 a share. Google is uh 15 and some change. I even saw Tesla going for like $575, something like that. Amazon, did I tell you about Amazon? That's nearly going for like $2,000. Something, I, 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 I might have messed up there. I don't remember. They were high. That's all I got to remember. The numbers don't matter. They were high. But here's the thing. You, back in the day when they got into Amazon, when they got into Google, when they got into Apple, when they got into Tesla, when they even got into Facebook. But now with just $1, you can get into all those stocks. You can invest in all of those companies and get a return. All you got to do is go, like I said, download the Cash app, click on my link. Now, here's the thing. It's not about me getting the money because I... Look, I'm trying to get you money. You click on my link, I get $5, and more importantly, you get $5. Without it, you ain't getting no money. But if we got a referral thing, we got this little friendship thing here, we getting some money. And then take that, and like I said, don't even tell your friends to come back and get it from me. Get it from me. Get your, go, hey, hey, Mar, hey, bro, hey, I told you about this cash app. Give me that $5. And then we're going to take that money and put it in the stock market. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to make some more money. You know what I'm saying? And then we'll all be happily ever after. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My final point, and I'm going to let you go with these announcements here. I want for you to, if you will, go ahead and subscribe to me on the YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Eric Barrett. Now, here's my thought process, okay? As my granny always said, my granny, in the words of her grandma, her mama, should I say, which was my great granny, was what I was trying to say. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. They said that God gave you two eyes and two ears. You know what that meant? God wanted you to hear more and see more. And then for all of you potheads out there, you got to sniff it out too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, the point of the matter is, I have three forms of inspiration, information, and encouragement. If you are not able to get through a podcast, that's fine. You may not like audio things in your ears. It's no problem. You can go and watch the vlog. Maybe you don't like to watch the YouTubes. It's fine. You can go and read. You feeling what I'm saying? I told you about vocal media. You're listening to this podcast right now. And all that's left is to go over and subscribe. YouTube.com forward slash Eric Barrett. Oh, bless your sweethearts. Now, let's go ahead and get some work in with this podcast. <laughs> I was um, thinking, now, um, this is going to be off. So if you go look this up, you're going to go, that's not what happened today in history. But I wanted to go and look at it from the things that interest me. And I kind of wanted to stay in that ballpark. And so it might be a day off. But please forgive me. It's still what happened in history that was fascinating to me, to which I'm feeling some type of way. There it is. It's it's funny because um, I wanted to talk about um, not what happened on February the 26th in history, but I wanted to talk about what happened on January. One eighteen sixty 
Don't even remember the year. But January 1, 1860, let me see. Let me me look this up because I want to be precise with you. Uh, The, well, I'm just going to say it and then I'll get the date afterwards because I don't want to type myself or have a hole in it. And if I have a hole in it because I'm quiet, then you're not going to, no, it's just going to be boring. But if I tell you what I'm typing, then I'm just messing up the whole thing. So January 1, somewhere in the middle of the 18th century, or the 19th century, should I say. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He signed it. And December 31 of the previous year, Abraham Lincoln declared that this would be The last day, December 31, was the last day that slavery would be a thing in America. January 1. Now, let me look it up since I already said that. And uh, I can tell you the exact day. Uh, Last... Day of slavery in America. Uh, they say it was June 19th, 1865 was the last day of slavery. But what happened was that it took that long because people got up January 1, 1865 and went to work. And it was a fascinating thing because I was talking to a gentleman uh, uh, might be three years ago now. Time is a blur. And he was telling me, he said, Eric, there was this time when the master didn't realize that the barn had been unlatched. That Abraham Lincoln, through the freeing of the slaves, had come along and took the latch off the gate. That the slaves were free. All they had to do was pop the gate open. But The the master didn't know that the gate was open and the blacks didn't know that the gate wasn't locked. And so they got up and they went to work. For six months, they got up and went to work not knowing they were free. And so here we are. Now, some, what is this? A hundred and some odd years later, what is the timeline here? 2020, subtract 1865. 155 years later, here we are, still struggling. In some cases, still getting up, going to work. And yet, we haven't figured out that we are free. So I wanted to point that that little piece out to you as we head into our conversation today. I wanted to make that crystal clear because the conversation, the thoughts that are in my brain are going to center around this one thought. Now you're ready. At least I am. I hope you are too. Let's do this.
I was um I I was thinking I was thinking that I I wasn't going to have this conversation. I really and truthfully did not want to have this conversation because I'm a firm believer in not making or building arguments around people who cannot defend themselves. I have been a firm believer in preaching against Things like uh, uh, people using Dr. King's name. You can't use his name because you don't know what that man would believe or say in this time. He has been dead for 60 years at this point. So it's impossible for you to know his thoughts, right? Right. And in doing that, you mind if I close this door real quick? I don't want the dog to come out and, and she's there sleeping and everything. And, but she sees this, this pathway. She might say, I want to go sleep on the couch in the living room. And you know, when you bought that life, I'm going to close that door too. Oh, okay. That was very hard. We didn't have to slam it like that. I'm so very sorry. I know your ears are like. Aah. So I was um, reading or I was listening to a particular pastor. And I'm not going to go into... Uh, the conversation the pastor had because that that's not important to this argument. But the pastor made a statement about Margaret Sanger. Now, up until this point, I had no idea who Margaret Sanger is or was for that matter. But Margaret Sanger was the founder of Planned Parenthood. Now, I'm shocked because I did not know Planned Parenthood even existed in the early 1900s. 1939, I believe, is when it was put into existence. And I I made this comment to my grandmother, my grandmother, who's 80 years old now. And her response to me was, well, boy, um, (laughs) they were giving out pills in the 50s, we were had them in the bathroom at the high school telling you to go out and have sex and just take a pill and you'd be all right. So the 50s was presenting birth control to students. Now, it's very fascinating to me how the 50s We are talking about abortions and killing babies and things of that nature. And I'm not here to talk about abortions. I had to make sure I got my thoughts right here. Let me take my time. You don't mind, do you? And I'm not here to talk about Planned Parenthood. I'm here to talk about some fascinating points. Because now we have a new generation, Planned Parenthood. You know, let's, let's, let me... Let me not do that. Let me go ahead over to the Google and uh, talk about plan. No, let me talk about. Well, let's start with Planned Parenthood. I want to I want to talk about who they are. OK, Planned Parenthood. Can I get the can I get the Wikipedia page? Planned Parenthood. Uh, Wiki. I just want to I just want a Wikipedia page. That's all I want. Uh, tell me who you is. That's all I want to know. Uh, Planned Parenthood. All right. 
Planned Parenthood Federation of America, Inc., PPFA or Planned Parenthood, is a nonprofit organization that provides reproductive health in the United States and globally. It is a tax-exempt corporation, internal revenue. I don't care about 503. A member of the association in and out of Planned Parenthood. I don't care about that. Uh, Has its roots in Brooklyn. I don't care about that. Where Margaret Sanger opened the first birth control clinic in the United States in 1916. Sanger founded the American Birth Control League in 1921 which changed its name to Planned Parenthood in 1942. Planned Parenthood consists of 159 medical clinics, non-affiliated, non-medical affiliated, which operates over 600 health clinics in the U.S. And part of it still doesn't tell me. Okay, let's go down to the history. Uh, the origins of Planned Parenthood dates to October 16, 1916, when Margaret Sanger... Her sister, Ethel Bernie, and all these funny names, I don't feel like it, opened the first birth control clinic in the U.S. in Bronzeville, or Brownsville section of New York, borough of Brooklyn. They distributed birth control advice and birth control information. All three women were arrested and jailed for violation provisions of Comstock Act accused of distributing obscene materials at a clinic. The so-called Brownsville trials brought national attention and support to their cause. Singer and co-defendants were convicted on misdemeanor charges, which they appealed through two subsequent a court, excuse me, two subsequent Appeal courts. While the convictions were not overturned, the judge who issued the final ruling also modified the law to permit physician prescribed birth control. The women's campaign led a major led to major changes in the laws governing birth control and sex education in the United States. Okay, all, all of these things make sense, but why? Did they start this organization? That's not there. Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger are strongly associated with the abortion issue today. Much organization. Okay, about Sanger. Why? Why do we do? Why? Why is this a thing? What? Why is this? Why is this? Why do we come here? What was the point of starting this? You see, I, I posted on the Facebook. I said, Margaret Sanger was accused of saying, we must exterminate the Negro. That's what they said she said. Now, I don't know that Margaret Sanger said that. For all I know, that could be the biggest lie that anybody has ever told. But here is the fact that I also hang my hat on. What if deep down inside that is Margaret Sanger's agenda? After all, we do not hear or see 
of anything in this Wikipedia page about why Margaret Sanger created Planned Parenthood. Where did it come from? Why was she going through the streets of Brownsville, New York, handing out contraceptive pills? Why did we need it in the first place? If there is no suitable argument right here in black and white about why that is a thing, then how do we know that her intentions were pure? Why is creating a birth control system, watch what I'm going to say, a a necessity or an acceptable excuse or an acceptable alternative to the extracurricular life. Why are you in 1916 going around promoting people having free sex? I don't understand that. That question is not answered. And so what do we do as people? We present these arguments. I read this book that somebody wrote. I read this article that somebody wrote. I went to this conference that somebody spoke at. And all of these books and articles and conferences are presented by people that even their intentions are not necessarily accurate or can be truly determined, should I say. So I don't know if Margaret Sanger really didn't want to kill the babies of the black persuasion. I don't know if that was just something that the Republican Party has made up to try to push their agenda of non-abortion. I don't really know that. But here's the other thing that fascinates me. Because I will admit, and I have preached this at nauseum in some cases, I guess you can call this preaching. You want to say that's what I'm doing anyway. At nauseam, I have preached the reality that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are two white organizations and black and browns fit in whatever they can. This is literally their world between their daddy and their kids. And you say, how do I know that? Because, well, you look at Fox News, which is the predominantly voice of the Republican Party, and their, their sightseeing is what? 50 to 78 to 80 to 90 to dead. And then you have the Democratic Party, which is 50 and down, right? That's their base for the most part. And the reality of it is, when you look at it from that perspective, it's a rich old white man fighting his kids. And black and brown people are being thrown in any way they can fit in the argument. Oh, we need some black people over here. So what we're going to do is we're going to present them with this case and bring them in. Oh, we need the black people because we don't want to look racist. So what we're going to do is we're going to find some information that appeals to them and then we're going to present it. I am prepared to believe that argument. I am prepared to believe that the Margaret Sanger piece is a bunch of horse manure made up by the Republican Party. I'm prepared to believe that. I'm prepared to stick to my guns 
that, that, that she did not say that. But here's the thing. I nor you truly know what Margaret Sanger really and truly wanted to do. You don't know me. You know what you have perceived. But perception is flawed. Because I can present a good case. And despite how much I try to be as open and as transparent on my thoughts. Despite how much I have tried to present myself with a clear message. You don't know me. It's impossible for you to really know me. And if you're going to be honest with yourself, there are going to be some doubts about anything that I would say. Because you don't know me. You don't know what is inside of the heart and the mind of EDB. What drives EDB? You don't know that answer. So, since you don't know that answer... You are left to your opinions. And in being left to your opinions, to your thoughts, and even more dangerously to your emotions, what you then do is you turn to anything that will cooperate your thoughts and your feelings. I've been in situations where we felt some type of way and the first opportunity that somebody presented that went with what we, yeah, I knew it all along. I just knew that. I told you I didn't feel that. I knew it. No research, no evidence whatsoever, no even a thought that that evidence could be tainted. The government has never lied on people before. The cops have never lied on people before. I'm just trying to throw this out there so you understand that it's very hard to build a case around something that when even facts don't make sense. There is no such thing as facts. Because facts, unless there is unfailing proof, unless you saw it, and you heard it for yourself, that is the only way that you can know whether something is real or something is not. Isn't that the reason why when you go to court that our only objective is not to present the truth if you're a lawyer? Should I say your only objective? Because I'm not one of those. Your objective is not to prove that this is true. Your objective, watch this, is to prove beyond reasonable doubt. All I got to do is persuade you to think and feel what I want you to do or how I want you to to respond. If I can convince you that this is the truth, then we have ourselves a case. I would love to present this argument to you. 
I would love to consider the thought that even in this argument of me too, you should listen to the woman. Well, let me ask you this question. Why is Emmett Till battered and busted in his grave at this moment? Ask that question of yourself. Ask the question of yourself that anytime we wanted to eliminate a politician, not just Brett Kavanaugh, not just Herman Cain, not just the dude from Minnesota. What was his name? Al Franken. Al Franken was in a club. He was a comedian. And you eliminated him because he grabbed a girl's tits. Like no guy has ever done that in their life. In that situation. My grandmother always taught me that you have to live in the straight and narrow. She always taught me to do absolutely nothing. You know why she taught me to do absolutely nothing? I'm going to tell you why in a second. But society, society, as I get to my point of answering your question, but I want to make this detour real quick. Society is funny to me. They're confusing as all get out. On one side of your mouth, they tell you to go out and live your best life. You only live once, YOLO. But on the other side, they're waiting for you with the camera. They're waiting for you with a pen and paper, a shovel to dig the grave. Which is why my grandmother said, don't do anything in your life because it will come back to haunt you. They will never forgive you for what you do because they always try to find a way to hold something on you. Society's mission is to find people and continually keep them entrenched in their web. Everybody who's ever done anything bad in school Everybody who's ever been on a date with somebody, everybody who's ever been at a club, been drunk, done something uh, at an inebriated state, all of that is just sitting there in a box somewhere. And the moment you try to do something that they don't like, they'll use it against you because the system is designed to keep you enslaved. I don't care what color you are. I am a firm believer that racism is not real. Racism is not real. It is a tactic that was used to keep us all enslaved. The system has been built to entrap us all. And so now we come here to this point. Not understanding if Margaret Sanger really said these things or not. But you believe she didn't. You know why? Because somebody told you she didn't. 
That's it. That that is the that is the refuting argument. Somebody said that's not true, and you believe it. And the thing that fascinates me, again, I gotta reiterate this: the thing that fascinates me to the bloody core. Can I say bloody core? I feel like bringing out my British side. You know, they name me E-R-I-K for the Brits. It bothers me that a Republican can get up and say something, and he's a liar, but a Democrat can come along and refute the Republican and the Democrats tell him the truth. Or the Democrat can get up and say something, and they're a liar, and the Republican can come along and refute it, and they're telling the truth. It is amazing how these two sides, this whole shebang, has just got us all up. Nobody goes, wait a minute. I don't know if what you're telling me, Mr. Republican, is true. Nor do I know what you're telling me, Madam Democrat, is true. But I'm going to vote based on my conviction. Now you're going to say, well, what is your conviction? Where does that come from? Well, that is a very good question. Because where do we get our belief system from now? I'll tell you where you get it from. You get it from your emotions. You get it from what you see. You get it based on your opinion and how it's presented. How the opinion has been presented to you is what you base your belief off of. Most of you deep down inside don't really know where you got your thoughts from or your opinions from. Somebody told you this is what you're going to do and you have operated in it or you just wanted to be rebellious and you listen to somebody else and they got you into whatever it is you're into and that's why you're doing what you're doing. We have been suckered in so good that we can't even tell ourselves how we got here. And you're so woke. You're so smart. You're so up and you're so intelligent. And you're fighting for causes and sticking to beliefs that you don't even know where you got them from. And so I sit here as a crazy man in some cases looking at the world from the only way I know how. This is where your spiritualized mindset should come in. Not your religious mind. Because again, you're going to look at the bad of it and you're going to say, oh, that whole thing is stupid because of what five people have said. Well, that's the same thing as you looking at the Republican Party and saying they're stupid. Or you're looking at the Democratic Party and saying they're stupid because of the five people that have done what they, what people do because they have done their masterfulness To manipulate the system. Oh, all that's bad. Well, then what are you supposed to do now? 
wander around in the wilderness with your head tucked between your legs? What are you supposed to do now? Sit here in a fetal position, stressed out and depressed, having your Apple Watch going off, telling you to breathe every five seconds? What are you supposed to do? Head down to the local pub every other night, getting yourself all pissy drunk, ultimately causing your liver to fail? What are you supposed to do? That's the question that I want to know the answer to. And I'm telling you what I have chosen to do. I have chosen to not subject myself to this piece of ignorance and confusion. As far as I'm concerned, none of it makes sense. And I don't deal with it. Now you're saying, well, then, Eric, you're going to be stupid. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that I know for a fact. You can't do anything to me until it's my time to go. You can't do anything to EDB until EDB's name reaches that point in the roll book. Everyone born has a time stamped next to their name. A time to be born and a time to die. And the one thing that I'm confident of, you ain't going to do nothing to me until it's my time. So in that case, I don't have to stress about these things. Now, from a political standpoint, number one, We have become so entrenched in politics. I was talking to an old sister as I'm working on these pieces politically. And she said, you know something? When we were coming along, we didn't have TVs. We were coming along. We didn't even have newspapers, most of us. We didn't have doctors. If we, if we did have them, we couldn't go. We didn't know about all these sicknesses and diseases. We didn't know anything that happened outside of our neighborhood. And yet we were fine. And yet we were fine. Because the one thing that we knew is we had strong faith. And we held on to our faith. Well, my question of it is, if we are such a diverse society now, let me go ahead and jump into your response. If we are such a diverse society now, then why? Why does the country look a certain way? come if we are a nation of diversity we only look that way in color but the reality of it is it's like opening a crayon box yes I see different colors but the shapes the identity is the same why isn't there black culture and white culture Indian culture and Asian culture Jewish culture and German culture. Why aren't all of those things prevalent to the point that when you look at this great land, you feel like there's a lot going on. But the reality of it is, 
you don't feel that way. Particularly in the city by which I reside. You don't feel that way. I remember, I want to say now three years ago. Was it that time when the Puerto Rican tragedy hit? I'm sure Siri, as I cut her off, wanted to respond. Yeah, that's right. Okay. In that tragedy, what happened was I saw something that I never thought of in my life. I saw Puerto Ricans, Hispanics, And I hate to use this analogy, but I will. Because it's literally what I saw during this time. It was almost like life had sprayed a can of rain and they were just running out of everywhere. You saw them trying to get together and pull together and pick up and put down. You saw Puerto Ricans come out of the woodworks and I had never seen it before in my life. And I said, why are they all here? And yet someone like me who is in these streets trying to do this community activism stiff as they like to betray me as. God, I hate that term. But why did I not know this? Because it's not prevalent. Because the only way that you keep your community to yourself is to stay to yourself. And the problem that has happened in black America that has never happened in any other community thus far, slowly it is creeping up but not like it should or not like it has in our neighborhood. You don't know where the Asians are for real. I promise you, go in Norfolk and tell me where they are. Where where, where do you see them? You don't know where they are. You don't know how many they are. Some book may tell you that, but that number could be made up. You don't see them because they're all over the place, but they're hiding. You see the Indians at 7-Elevens, but outside of there, you don't see them. Truth be told, unless you frequent 45 7-Elevens, you probably would think that there's only 45 of them in this country or in this town, to be more specific. But the reality of it is, it's more than that here, but you don't see them. Where are the Italians? Where are the Jamaicans? Where are the Hispanics? All of these fine people, you don't know where they are because they have done something that black America chose not to do or was not allowed to do. Those other organizations or ethnicities hid themselves they stayed in their corner and they did not come out they come out when they need to they go to work but they hang over there with their people they party with their people 
They don't try to be like the rest of the city. They don't try to associate with the rest of the city. You see Indians and Mexicans and all those fine folks, they stay to themselves. You don't see them go out and socializing and want to be at the little events with all the other people. I challenge you to go down to the, the big social events. You might see one or two of them hanging out every now and again. I'm not saying they're hermits. I'm not saying they're just over there in their hole and don't come out. But when they do come out, they come out with themselves and they go back with themselves. And that is a group of people that we have not been able to penetrate. But the black folks, the black folks, no, they wanted to be white so bad. And so they have lessened themselves down to somebody else's philosophy. And that's why you don't even have a black culture like you need to because it sounds and looks like white America. And my question is, how come? Answer this question for me. How come you don't know about Asian America? How come you don't know much about Hispanic America? How come you don't know much about Indian America, but you know everything about black America? Or you think you know everything about black America because we're the only ones with the door wide open. And the other organizations, ethnicities is what I really need to say. Are the ones that are booming by leaps and bounds. They are thriving from one side of this country to the other. Somebody looked at me and said, don't you realize that at one point in time, we were the second largest ethnicity in this country? We were number two. Now, how did we get down to number three? You want to know why Donald Trump is all over the Mexicans? Because Donald Trump has recognized that the Mexicans are the next threat to white people. The blacks have been exterminated. We are no longer a threat to white people. We have been cowered. We have been succumbed. We have been pushed into their little clique and we are no longer an obstacle to them. We have been defeated. But the Mexicans now, they're number two. They are the ones who could potentially take over this country. About 60 years ago, it was black people. Remember? As I kicked that chair again. Remember? Remember 60 years ago, we got to stop these Negroes. We got to get rid of this Dr. King. He's going to take over it. He's going to put us out. We can't let this happen. That was 60 years ago. And they systematically weaved us in. Weaved us in. Until now, we're no longer a threat. They made us comfortable. They made us feel at home. They made us feel like we were not a threat. 
and then we relaxed. My grandmama said they were killing babies. We started killing babies. They were going out having sex with everybody. We started having sex with everybody. They were dropping their draws. We were dropping our draws. And that is not a fact. Or that is a fact, not an opinion. Because I remember, and I'm going to go ahead and say it right here. I remember when porn first came out. Or should I say when porn was first introduced to the internet. I remember searching through. And the one thing you did not find was black pornography. There were certain things black people did not do. There was a time when even in porn videos, black people wouldn't suck dick. I'm just telling you what I saw with my own eyes. You did not see that in videos. You could search the internet from one side to the other. And I promise you, EDB is telling you from his own personal experience, you didn't see black people with their mouth on a man's penis. As a matter of fact, it was so not heard of that I remember this like it was yesterday there was a site called dailyvideos.com and on that site you went into the category section and in the category section you had Classy white, classy black, trashy white. You didn't have anything but classy black. You had a a section with the white girls and there were certain things that they didn't do. And the black girls was on the same level as the classy white girls. That's why you had classy white and classy black. But then you had trashy white. And I don't even think it was called trashy white. I think it was just called trailer trash or the trash or something like that. And when you clicked on it, all you saw was white girls. White girls did everything and I remember sitting there thinking to myself you mind if I confess this a little bit I remember saying why black girls don't do this see I'm not trying to preach you something that I didn't even think why why can't we get down like that I even wanted my own my own people to be just as trashy as what I was seeing. And so the marketplace grew and then black girls realized the white girls is making money off of being trashy, so I'm going to be trashy. I remember when I was, this was back back 2000, uh, God, time is a blur. But there was a, an organization came on called Triple H Church. And Triple X Church was doing interviews. They were supposed to be the church for the porn stars. And they were going in. They were doing all these different things with porn stars. And the the church 
As I hold on, let me. Uh, I, I want you to uh, not do this. I'm, I'm sorry. This thing is. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, the what is this? Oh, okay. Another Bush is trying to run for office. Oh my my my. So anyway, um, I'm I'm sorry. That, that, that just got my attention. As I was saying, I was I was looking at this Triple X Church, and I remember thinking about uh or listening to them have conversation, and they were talking about what was going on in the porn world. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm distant, but I'm trying to make sure that I uh, set my alarm here because I have something that I uh, don't need to forget and I want to get to that point, but I want to stay on this point and it's not letting me do it because I'm trying. Okay, there we go. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to remind me that I can't leave this room until I get to that point because, yeah, I will forget. Triple X Church was doing this thing where they were going around getting the porn stars and they were interviewing them and, you know, all that did thing. And their mission was to get people off of porn was their mission. And I remember listening to interviews from these porn stars. And it was a thing that back then, if you did conventional sex, that's when the girl just laid on her back and let the dude ride. He just pounded her in. You, you get the point. That made a certain amount of money. It's kind of like you got paid in stages. Some of you who are into porn would know this. And being paid in stages would means that they would have a base rate for just flat out sex. But then if you did anal, you got extra pay. If you did cream pies, which, boy, that was pretty rare back in the early turn of the century. You got top dollar if you let a dude come in you. That was like striking gold. And I I remember saying to myself, all these trashy white girls no teeth in their head were the only ones that were doing the good shit. I, I'm, te- I'm, te- I'm telling you what I said. The cute girls, they don't do this. And then I started seeing the cute girls do it. And ultimately, I started seeing the black girls do it. And something, something triggered in my brain. Now, I knew about Triple X Church. And I would only listen to the business part of it. I didn't want to hear the interviews because I ain't want them telling me about. You, I, I, I'm like you. I ain't want nobody telling me what to do in my life. And I won't try and tell you what to do with your life. And I'm not trying to tell you what to do here. I'm just trying to tell you what I felt. This is how I felt. So I want you to know it wasn't influenced by an interview that I heard with a porn star about this because I did not hear that interview. I did not see that interview. As a matter of fact, I saw maybe one interview to be transparent with you. And I'll talk about that in a second. Let me go ahead and put that in my notes to remember. But I began to watch these cute girls. Now when the ugly girls did, it ain't bother me. 
These no teeth in their head, little bitties, ain't caring about them. But something flared up in me like, bruh, that's somebody's sister right there, you know. That's somebody's mama, a cousin. Not on an uncle because, you know, the girls weren't that old. Unless the point is that what was that? What if that was your sister and you're watching her? I mean, these girls looked beautiful. And then it began to help me to understand why I was looking at these women in an objective yeah, objective, not objective, objects. Looking at them as objects. My thought pattern began to change. But here's what I want to say about that, because I'm not going to stick to that, because that's getting into opinions. One of the girls told me, she said, Eric, not Eric. Well, it was Eric. The guy was Eric that she was talking to. And I was watching the video, so I guess she did tell me. But it wasn't Eric. It was a different Eric. Don't remember what Eric's name was. It's like 14 million. You know, Eric seems to be a preaching name. I know like 14 pastors that name Eric. She said to the man, she said, Eric, um, I only do it for the check. And sometimes at the end of the check, I ask myself as I'm in pain, as I'm just writhing in pain, was it really worth the check? The things that we do for money. And this was a porn star who literally went back out and continued to do porn. She was like, the things sometimes that we do for money. Now, what do I want to say? in my conclusion because I went off on a porn tangent and I'm not going to stay there. Why don't we have our own ideals? Why are we still allowing ourselves to be succumb to this one-size-fits-all society? Why is it that black America has to be on the same stage as white America when the reality of it is we can make our own stage. Why do we have to share a stage when it is apparent that we can live in this country? The Asians have proved it. The Indians have proved it. The Hispanics have proved it. We can live in this country and we do not have to be in the same place or on the same team. We can be on our own team. We show up. We work together. We associate together. We can play together, even go to school together. But when it's time to go home, we go home. And we go home to our own worlds. And we live by our own rules. The Asians live by their rules in this country. The Indians live by their rules in this country. 
The Mexicans and Hispanics live by their rules in this country. Black America is the only society that doesn't have a rule because it's been stripped and the part that wasn't stripped, we've sacrificed. So now, this is why the Margaret Sanger presentation appeals to me. When she says we want to exterminate the Negro, well, the reality of it is the Negro is at this moment being exterminated. And you can say that she didn't say it and I'm okay to believe it. I'm okay to believe that she did not say it. But why was she giving out drugs to kids? Why did they put it in our school? Why did we uh, why are we getting contraceptives created by a white woman in a school when we segregated? Why are these pills put in our segregated schools? This was in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. We were still segregated. And yet, this stuff made it to our school. We won't hang it out at the juke joint. We won't in the boardroom together. We were not playing together. You know your history. And yet in 1950, in the heart of segregation, my grandmother had contraceptives in her school. Birth control pills in her school. She didn't even know what they were, but they were in her school created by a white woman who has been claimed to say that she wants to exterminate the Negro, but you're going to tell me that's not true. What do you want me to believe? At some point in time, you have to ask yourself the proof. The proof is in the pudding. Again, I'm not saying she said it. I am not saying that those articles and those quotes were true. For all I know, you could be right. For those of you who are opposed to that argument, you could be correct. And I will and I will be okay with that. That does not bother me. What she said or didn't say does not bother me because the fact of the matter is I cannot prove it. She's dead. And even if she was alive, I still would not know the intents of her heart. Because nobody knows the intents of somebody's heart and nobody certainly knows the intents of somebody's thoughts. So therefore, I will let you have it. And I come back to the same question. 1950. My grandmother was in Booker T. Washington High School. Smack dab in the middle of the South. Even though Norfolk in the 50s was another, was a great spot for people of color in the South. It was still the South. They found an underground railroad 
or underground tunnel, should I say, which was connected to the Underground Railroad under a church here in Norfolk. I'm not going to focus on that either because I don't know all the details, but I said that to say that this was the South. Slaves were here in Norfolk and white people hated black people in this city. And so I ask you, in a southern city that was wretched with racism, why and how did contraceptives get into our school? Who put it there? Why was it put there? And whose mentality was it to make people believe that this was a good idea? These are the questions that you have to ask yourself. Why? We're segregated. We were segregated. So this is not this is not about, oh, the black man went out and he just went over there and wanted to be with the white people and he got him some pills. No, this was a government provided program in a segregated system. We couldn't even go to Maury, Granby, Lake Taylor or Norview, but you can put contraceptives in our school created by a woman who claimed to want to exterminate the black race and you expect me to not believe it. The proof, the proof's in the pudding. So this is what I don't want to do. I don't want to have this argument. I'm not going to have this argument. You are free to email me, ericdeshawnbarrett at gmail.com. You are free to go on social media and voice your perspective and tell me how right or how stupid I am. Either way, I'm not really going to engage it. Because this was not about me presenting an argument to you for you to debate or for me to respond in a debate manner. This was about me telling you, imploring you, asking you, inviting you to not emotionally look at the world, but sit down, plant everything in front of your face and operate only off of what makes sense. The answer, the truth, what makes sense is right in front of you. If you look for it, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door shall be open unto you. As I begin to wipe my face. I don't know why I'm doing that. I probably need to go take a shave. And you've heard this noise for the last few minutes now because it's been itching me. Or maybe I'm just itching because I know at this point in time, somebody is fired up and they're just ready to go ahead and leave the comments. And that's fine. You can do that. But I want the truth. I want what makes sense. And that is what I wake up every morning trying to figure out. If I'm going to be on this earth, if I'm going to live on this earth, what makes sense? 
Not what makes sense in your political world, but what makes sense in my world. How am I supposed to live my life? Not what you, well, everybody's got to find their way. You're right. Everybody do have to find their way. And I'm trying to tell you that you have to find your way. And when you find your way, be okay if your way looks different from everybody else's way. Is that good for us? Can we settle on that thought? I appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time that we can chat. This has been fun. I've excited and enjoyed myself. And I'm going to get on out of your hair. So the next time we can chat for me and mine. Unto you and yours. Laters.